0: Let's turn unto in God's holy word, to Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 2, and we'll begin reading with uh, verse 46, Daniel 2 verse 46. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had just heard the, the dream as it is revealed to him by the God of heaven through Daniel, and in Nebuchadnezzar, we read in verse 46 these words, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face prostrate before Daniel and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets. Since you could reveal this secret, Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Also Daniel petitioned the king, and he set up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits and he set it up on the plain of dura in the province of babylon and king nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps and administrators the governors the counselors the treasurers the judges the magistrates and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, administrators, the governors, the consuls, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried out to You, it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony, with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So at that time... When all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, and symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O King, live forever, You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the fairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, These men, O King, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. We'll read just that far. May God bless the reading of his precious and infallible word. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we recognize that in the past weeks, we've looked at Daniel chapter 2 and now beginning at chapter 3, and we recognize that Nebuchadnezzar had received a very unsettling dream. It so um, disturbed him that he, that he had to know what the interpretation was, and he had to know that for sure that this interpretation was from God or the gods themselves. And so he wanted to make sure that the person who gave the interpretation also knew the dream, even though they had no knowledge of the dream. This was obviously very impossible for all the soothsayers and the wise men of Babylon. None of the Chaldeans could do so. And, And yet the God in heaven granted Daniel that he might know this dream and the interpretation of it, and in doing so, we saw that God was clearly speaking uh, to Nebuchadnezzar by his word. And, and he reveals that all the kingdoms of this world will indeed end. And only his kingdom will last forever. And everything in this world is, is really uh, for his glory. And even uh, Nebuchadnezzar's and other leaders serve only to his glory under his sovereign control. And the reaction of Nebuchadnezzar was, it's very telling in, 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 this, in this chapter. As he's now received this personal word from God about his life and his kingdom and his future, he recognizes that God has spoken indeed. Otherwise, how could Daniel have known this dream? Because he didn't share it with anyone. And in fact, he responds to this with awe and, 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 and even seem, seems like he has some humility. His words, his words are powerful in his confession. As we, as we read them in verse, verse 47, truly your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of secrets. He acknowledges this. And, and yet from the whole context we, we have before us, really... Something that's very clearly also stated in Romans chapter 1. Although they know the truth, they exchange that truth of God for a lie. And they want to worship the creation rather than the creator himself. And so even natural man, even including us by nature, we really are those who would suppress the truth and manipulate the truth and pollute the truth. And we would rather serve by nature the creation rather than the creator of all things. And so we see this evidenced also in Nebuchadnezzar as, as, as we examine his, his uh, response to this interpretation of the dream. <clears throat> but we ought not to only examine Nebuchadnezzar here. We ought to be looking at our own hearts and our own lives in light of Nebuchadnezzar's reaction. Recognizing that it's not enough to be religiously convicted and to confess something, but we need to have true spiritual conversion that's lasting. I'd like to look at this with the theme, Nebuchadnezzar religiously convicted without spiritual conversion. And that's, first of all, evidenced by his skin-deep confession, and secondly, evidenced uh, in his blasphemous Reaction of building the idol of gold. First of all, then, Nebuchadnezzar is religiously convicted without spiritual conversion. And we see that especially in Nebuchadnezzar's skin deep confession. His words, although they sound very good truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and the revealer of secrets. We recognize that this confession is only beautiful on the outside. It's skin deep, in other words. If a person is only beautiful on the outside, but that person is, is mean and wicked and ugly on the inside, you would say it only goes skin deep. They might even be beautiful on the outside and flatter even with their words. And yet, once they get their own way, watch out. Because then they're going to show their ugliness from the inside. And so we call that skin deep. And so also with Nebuchadnezzar's response, even though it was very religious, we recognize we recognize that he is stunned by this, what we could call the wow factor, by what he has been revealed. Who could reveal such a secret? Who could give this kind of interpretation? It must be true. And even his confession—it smells like religion. It smells like a good worship service as he's offering sacrifices and so on. And yet, even though he, even though there's an acknowledgement and confession and worship, it's it's really only skin deep. We can think of this and and. Uh, <clears throat> And we would probably even covet this kind of reaction, even in our day. consider if our prime minister would would be um, under such an influence as Nebuchadnezzar here as as he would come to maybe one uh, a Christian worship service somewhere and be convict convicted that indeed there is only one true god the, and he is the the Lord of kings, and he is the he is the God of, of all gods and he's the revealer of secrets and, and, and he, would, he would come come and confess this and even give a testimony in the church. You, you could imagine how many, how many uh, news articles would go out and how many would be published in every Christian magazine and so on and, and it would be a, a, a wow factor as it were. Could, and, and, and this doesn't even compare to Nebuchadnezzar really the, almost the king of the world at that time. But let's, let's now think about his, his confession here a little bit closer. Let's, 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 let's take away this wow factor a little bit and let's look at it a little closer. And we recognize, indeed, these, these words are true. And yet, not totally true. Because notice, Daniel's God is not a God of gods. He's rather the only God. And and Nebuchadnezzar wasn't really acknowledging that he was the only God. As we find in Isaiah 45, he is God and there is none else. He comes to saying, Psalter 308 with us, that, that there is only one God. And all the gods of this world, though they might have eyes, they don't see. Though they might have hands, they don't handle anything. Though they have ears, they don't hear anything. You see, Nebuchadnezzar was not acknowledging that he was the only God the one and only true God. He was only acknowledging that he was a God of gods. And so Nebuchadnezzar is still very pluralistic in his thought process that there are many gods. And, and, and yes, he acknowledged in this situation that Daniel's God has, has come out victor and he is superior at this time. That we recognize that but that's true also all around us as we live in a pluralistic society also in, in Canada where many people will call themselves Christians, maybe go to church three times a year, uh, show up at weddings and funerals and, and feast days, and, and they think that they're all Christians. Or, or others will go to or temples or mosques and various other religious buildings and, and, and we can all be in one society and, and, and thrive in that society as long as we don't say that there's only one God and one way to 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 God and, and one way to be saved and one way to enter heaven, then then we can all get along well. And yet we find that that same thing plaguing our own nation. A, a, a really a skin-deep religiosity that plagues us in North America. But we also recognize that Nebuchadnezzar is not only saying that, that, that there's one of many gods, but, but even his words combined with his actions reveal his heart. He says that Daniel's God, yes, indeed is great. Who does he offer sacrifices to? Who does he burn incense to? It's to Daniel. It's not to Daniel's God, but rather to Daniel. And, and he's worshiping Daniel as a representation of God. And so he's, he's, he's making Daniel a God. It's idolatry. He's going to the wrong person. And indeed, that, that idolatry and that pluralism and that man-focused type of religion is a is a very clear evidence of skin-deep religion but that also affects the church of the lord jesus christ as well how often isn't it all about the focus on man man man-centered that man is great I, i think i think so often that we put all of our hope and expectation in in men whether it be in our culture or in our church We think if we just had Pastor So-and-So or uh, Pastor So-and-So speak at this conference or Pastor So-and-So be our pastor, yes, indeed, then God could do great things among us. And and we put all our hope and our stock in a man. We praise men for their gifts, even even sometimes religiously, cloaking it in religious language as giving credit to God, but really it's all man-centered. I think even reformed churches sometimes are most guilty of this as they set their ministers on pedestals and and, and they 're not normal people, just like we all we all are and I hope my ministry's never uh, shown in that way, but that i'm that i 'm one of you and given a great calling also to to shepherd you and to lead you but but i 'm no different than any one of you We, we need to be careful not to not to put all of our stock in man. I think Paul said it so well. He says, I am what I am but only by the grace of God. It's, it's nothing in me. It's 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 the power of the gospel. It's the power of the word of God. We need to expect great things from, from God and not from man. And we need to recognize that in, in our in our uh, our culture as well, and and also in the church and in in in, in, a, in a broad way as well. That that many times uh, we're we're so focused on these wow moments and in way of charismatic theology or Pentecostalism, which has uh, infected the church that we need to have these big revival things and 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 um, and and I'm not saying that God doesn't work through those those ways too. Um, sometimes God God does work through uh, through I think of Billy Graham type of uh, uh, things in the past. And, and, and yet at the same time, we always need to let those things season for a time. It's, it, it's, we don't want it to be a Nebuchadnezzar religious type of confession. And so we also acknowledge that also in way of confession of faith and, and try to ensure that our young people are are, are, are are knowing these truths, but also that these truths are alive in them. And, and it's not just kind of a, a Nebuchadnezzar religious conviction. We look for a spiritual conversion rather than just a skin-deep type of Confession and And that the only possibility for that is through the powerful work of the Holy Spirit who who comes and who breaks our heart and breaks through our skin and and changes our heart and our life that is a true wow factor is when the Holy Spirit comes and not not just to 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 give us certain types of prayers and certain types of movements and certain types of songs and and so on but rather when the holy spirit breaks through and teaches us about our great god our almighty god our sovereign god our glorious god when he comes in to show us even though god has created us in his image and perfectly we've fallen into sin and we understand the depths of that sin as he convicts us of sin and convicts us of our unrighteousness and the righteousness righteousness that there is in the Lord Jesus Christ as he shows us the beauty and the glory of the gospel we say wow what a savior for such a sinner like me that's a true wow factor and that's definitely what Nebuchadnezzar was lacking And, and we need to ask ourselves don't we Is that lacking also in my life? Have I just made a confession? Or have I made a true confession? A a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. A confession that bears forth fruit. Not like not like when that were that that seed was sown in rocky soil and it sprung up and it and it just died away or was choked out by the thorns but but seed that's been planted and and now grows and bears forth fruit in our lives can i can i say also as a pastor that indeed it's not just a skin deep confession for myself or for yourselves I, would i would i Come before the Lord and say to him on that last day, Lord, Lord, have I not done this in your name and not done that in your name? And the Lord would have to say, depart from me because I've never known you. Skin deep religion. Regi- religiosity and religious conviction without true conversion. We don't, we don't ask these kind of examining questions to, to cause to doubt or to to fear in a certain way, but but rather to truly examine ourselves to to know indeed that that the Holy Spirit is 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 with us and that Christ is our Savior. We we can ask ourselves what what does the gospel mean to us? What does church mean to us? Is 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 just is just coming to church and coming to hear the gospel and to live the gospel. Is it is it just some kind of custom and habit for you, or that 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 you only practice on Sundays and the rest of the week it's you, you scarcely even think about God? Can, can is it just about how you can speak such? Good spiritual language and say all of the right things, but but you know in your heart that that you don't have a serious repentance, that you don't truly seek first the kingdom of God, that you don't truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that you really don't know Him personally at all. That though, those are evidences of skin deep religion, skin deep confessions. We want to know, we want to know enough of our sins to be convicted of our sins and go to the only God, the only Savior, Jesus Christ, to to be saved from our sins. That's true conversion. And it produces also a, a true desire to, to break from all of the idols of this world, the man-centered materialism, the, the humanistic materialism and entertainment and our sexualized culture and our gluttony and And you could fill in the blank, whatever makes you happy, all of that would be idols before God. And ultimately, the only way to get rid of those idols is to to throw them away. Throw them away. And to throw yourself on the Lord Jesus Christ, that rock, as it were, from from the interpretation of the dream in chapter 2, that rock that was made without hands that grew up to be a mountain, a mountain, in order to to be a witness to the whole earth of His glory and of His salvation. We can trust in Him, for He is able to save us from our sins, to cure us from all of our waywardness, even our skin-deep confessions, and to give us a heart like Daniel's heart, a heart that's captivated, a heart that's filled with the greatness and the awesomeness and the wowness of of our God and the glory of our Savior. It becomes abundantly clear as we turn to chapter 3 that Nebuchadnezzar did not take seriously his confession or this rock that was made without hands the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can see that in our second thought. Not only Nebuchadnezzar had a skin-deep confession, but he also had a blasphemous reaction to this interpretation of the dream. We find there in chapter 3, uh, really what Nebuchadnezzar is saying, I'm going to twist this dream and the revelation of this dream and and take this and turn it into a humanistic, a creature type of interpretation and I'm going to build a huge statue, and I'm going to call everyone to bow down to it and if they don't bow down they will die in a furnace of fire well let's hear this blasphemous reaction again in Daniel 3 verse 1 Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits now 60 cubits is 90 feet high and, and it was six cubits or nine feet wide. It was very narrow, but, but very, very tall. Taller than um, those silos that you see in the countryside by at least 10 feet. Some of them would be even taller than, than some of them by further than 10 feet. And, and and don't think about living here in in Ontario but think about living in a place like Saskatchewan or Manitoba where it's all flat and like prairies because because this this uh this this idol was set in the plain of Dura you, know, you could see it for miles and miles away in the province of Babylon and king Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather all the all the important people and they all come and and when the all these all these uh, instruments would play and, and, and they, would, they were called then to fall down and to worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever didn't fall down and worship shall be immediately cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. This is really a blasphemous reaction to, to the interpretation. It takes the very interpretation that was given by God through Daniel And turns it into what would be an interpretation that would fit someone who is creaturely, humanly, creationally minded rather than God-centered. And so basically what he's saying in in chapter 3 here is he's saying, build that image that I saw in my dream. And that I saw in that unsettling nightmare I want this image built. By now, his fear factor had gone down. And 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 rather than having such a fear factor and a wow factor, now he's ready for his own type of wow factor that, that he may be praised because he doesn't accept the interpretation that indeed his kingdom will be one that's ground into dust. No, he can't even imagine another kingdom would take his place. And so... And so he wants to build this statute that everyone would bow down and worship him. And so, maybe we can think about ourselves. Do we do anything different when we hear God's word and we twist it to our own interpretation and for our own good? I think of many ministers and in this day and age in which we live, that take the very Word of God and try to formulate other interpretations like the health and wealth and prosperity gospel and, and really are only turning the Word of God into into a lie to fit a creature, a creation sense of of of, of what the Word of God means and here also Nebuchadnezzar is doing the same thing and, and and, and and we 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 could do the same thing as well. We don't even need to look at other churches. We could come to church and and sit in a pew we could We could uh uh sing all of the songs of Zion, the praises of god and and, and even sing of the Psalms, which we say two hundred fifty one how 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 the lord reigns and 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 how he is lord of lords and King of Kings, we could sing of his ascension songs on Ascension Day, and and yet go to our homes living as if he is not King of Kings at all, and we could continue to worship the idols in our own lives. Nebuchadnezzar, he builds such a statue, and refuses to to acknowledge God as the only God, the only King of Kings, and this. Is this statue towers on the plains of Dura? He's saying, "I am that head of gold." He's even saying more than that, because I can't imagine a head shaped in by nine feet wide by ninety feet tall. Uh, That would be a really skinny face, I would think. I don't know exactly what this image would look like, but um, but very likely it was set and established, and it looked almost in a human figure, but but with a head of gold. And so he was claiming even to be more than this. He was claiming in a certain way to be all of it. And he did, demanded all of the worship. He says, I am, I am really all of this, all of this dream. And he builds a statute unto himself, that, no, a statute like no one else has ever built in, in all of history, a huge expense with would would have captured your eye from a long distance. What, what's going on in Nebuchadnezzar's heart? Well, Nebuchadnezzar <laughs> had a huge ego, a huge ego problem. He, he wants to basically fulfill this dream for his own glory as he wants to shape really his own destiny. And it's not just enough for him to set up this statute he He wants everyone to bow down to it and 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 he invites all of the main officials in all of his all of the provinces, and he brings them there and 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 all of the the flutes and all of the different instruments are playing in there to bow down to this statute it was It was not only smelling like religion like the Sacrifices that he made in two, but now it 's even sounding like real worship right and and he spared no expense at doing so and I would say today to do something like this to build such a statue would be um, millions and billions of dollars maybe even and, and and on top of that to to take all of this time and gather all of the important people from all of your provinces and and all over the Babylonian Empire to now come and to take this time to bow down to this image. It would have also costed their economy and, and, and everything else millions and billions of dollars. And what's, what's, the, what's the purpose of all of this? It's, it's only to promote his, his own popularity. His own, to booster, bolster his own ego. And, and this is really what tyrants throughout throughout history have always done. I think of even how Hitler had really made himself as a as a Christ-like figure for Germany, a messiah-like figure. And really, I would say, I would say um, you could say the same things about uh, Lenin and Stalin, and and they also made huge statutes for themselves. We could think about our world in which we live today i i remember being involved in lived through several elections many elections in my life already and and every election seems like the bigger the promises get we will be your savior from economic troubles we will be your savior in health crises we will be your savior in the climate crisis crises because we are ultimately responsible for your comfort for your health and for your happiness and I, I'm not going to say that we're in the same situation as North Korea, but you know what the end is in North Korea, where the students in school will get a meal and they have to give thanks and bow down basically to the dictator of North Korea because he provided it. And so we also could be in that same danger. We ought not to think that that would we would be immune from that. I, I think of the the US in the past election where examples of Trump signing a uh, stimulus checks, so that you get the stimulus check you know who it's from and now Biden's doing the similar thing sending out all these economic stimulus checks with with a letter now that that tells you where where it's coming from uh, or or all of the pomp and the rallies of uh, of these presidential elections and it's it's all for Popularity and pomp, and the billions and billions of dollars that go into elections—I—I uh, I, I would say, you know, we, we ought to never think that North America would be immune to such things. And before you start really getting worried about all of the challenges of our day, let's 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 just actually just stop and not not think about those at all. Let's 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 stop and think about ourselves and and our own ego and what what we would like in our own lives and what kind of mental image do we have of what we think we ought to be and what kind of future we ought to have. If you had to think about where, where would you want to be in 10 year, years as a young person or even a middle-aged person and, and, and you would want to be the the best fill in the blank, whatever you wanted to be, the best nurse, the best farmer, the best the best carpenter, the best plumber, the best electrician, the best pastor, the best politician, the best whatever it is. And you you would want everyone to to respect you and like you and your businesses to be successful and your houses to be perfect and your families to look so ordered and and well-kept. And all we want to do is really boast our own ego and make sure the outside looks good. And then, and then, the trouble hits. And you're a teenage girl with an unplanned pregnancy. Or your goals cannot be met because of a pregnancy. And obviously, it would be so right for you, wouldn't it, to to get that abortion? Because obviously, this this unplanned child is not going to not going to really fit in your scheme of boosting your own ego and ultimately isn't it the right of the mother and this is our problem in our day where where all of the sudden human rights all come into play, and I have a right to success, I have a right to liberty, I have a right to freedoms, and I have a right to all of these things, and and we've made an idol out of many of these things, haven't we? While we don't ask what the rights of a baby are, these are atrocious sins clothed in human rights, right to abortion, right to, hu- right to end my own life through euthanasia, right to be identified as the sex I want to be rather than what I'm born with. It's, it's all humanism. It's, it's the God of our day. It's the, it's the gold statue to the head even of Nebuchadnezzar of our day. And if you don't bow down to it and are not working, then you're not working for the good of the society and you must be censored. And where will it go from here? I don't know. But I do know what's happening in in, in, in Malawi. I was there not so many years ago in, in Malawi. It was really interesting as I was talking to about 50 pastors as I was teaching them for a week. It was they, they were asking me questions as, how, to, how would you handle certain situations? And, and, the, and the situation that came up was, how do you handle receiving money from organizations that have strings attached? And I says well, what, what strings are attached? If, if it's the string attached that you preach the gospel faithfully and so on, I probably wouldn't have any issue with it. But the strings that were attached were were, were terribly disheartening to me the strings that were attached were that they had to have women in office that they had to accept gay and lesbian rights lgbtq rights and so on within their churches otherwise money would not flow to them to help build their churches and relieve the poor in such places well i i I tell you I, I almost shudder to think that those kinds of strings are becoming attached from Western civilization to impoverished countries. Humanism, it's all about what we think is right and what man thinks is right in his own eyes. It's become the golden statute that you have to bow down to where you're not accepted and you're not working for the good of the common people. And we find that in our own day. If you're not involved in gay right prides and so on. I think of uh, the last person who ran for prime minister, Andrew Scheer, and, and he was greatly criticized for such stands. And and, and I need to confess that this might all sound wrong too because Christians do believe in human rights, don't we? Christians throughout the history have been always concerned with helping the poor and the oppressed and the hurting. And we need to continue to do so. But... At the end of the day, we we bring them the the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ along with it because we see each person in this world created in the image of God, even as God is supreme above all. Humans are created in His image. What What a difference between humanism and true Christianity, where true Christianity says God is supreme over all. And we are created in His image as image bearers of God. And humanism says, humans are supreme and we have the rights. And bow down then to the golden statutes of humanism. And, And there's a lot of peer pressures. A lot of peer pressures to do so. All around us. We'll all be pressured into it at one point or another, I'm sure. But let us not forget about the peer pressures of rebellion and defiance in our own day. It sounds so good that we should stand up like, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and, and we just need to take a stand and take a stand against our, our wicked government policies and so on. We just need to stand up. And yet, so often, I'm afraid that many people don't consider that indeed they're bowing down to the human rights as they refuse to bow down. So even by standing, they don't stop to ask, what are we bowing down to? You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have stayed standing and not bowed down to the living God. And they would have not been bowing then to the living God. And so we also need to really always have a discerning mind, a very clearly discerning mind, whenever we we take a stand and we... We take a stand for truth. We need to know that we're doing it to the glory of God and only for the glory of God. Because everyone bows every time you make a decision. Every time you do something, everyone bows to something. Look again at the plains of Dura. There's a huge crowd gathering to worship. And there's three young men who are standing And and, and as they stand in this crowd, in this maze of people who bow down to the idol, they stick out like a sore thumb, sticking up. Three of them, all together. You suppose they're going to be liked for it? Well, we know already, don't we, from what we read in our passage. I wanted to give you that much of a clue. Indeed, they didn't. They hated them for it. Hated him for standing for their God and refusing to bow before an idol. And so they go running off to the king to report it with glee because now, now these, these Hebrews, these Jews, they're going to be cast into that burning furnace because they did not bow down. Well, what will happen? Well, we'll find that out next week. We would certainly want to leave with another cliffhanger today, don't we? We will find that out next week. But let's review. Nebuchadnezzar had unsettling dreams. They're revealed by the God who is in heaven. He's tested. Daniel's friends are tested. The world is tested. And guess what? You and I are also tested. Will we bow before the idols of this world? Are we those who are religiously convicted but not spiritually converted? How do we know? Well, one way we can know is to know that indeed we cry out in all circumstances of life at all times, Lord, show me the way. Show me it. Teach me the way grant me your Holy Spirit to convict me of who I am and convict me of the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ and show me how to live out of His grace day by day, then I can assure you that He will not lead you to bow down to the idols of this world, but that He will grant you the grace to stand in the face of them as we bow before the living God in heaven. And even, even in the face of burning, fiery furnaces. We don't know what will come in our lifetime. We don't know what kind of persecution we will endure in this life. We don't. But we know one thing. That our God is still in heaven. And will forever be in heaven. And our Lord Jesus Christ reigns over all things. There is a God in heaven. He is our living God. And even if you think that your religion is skin deep today, He is a God who's still in business of doing spiritual heart operations. When you come to Him, that you might also be like Daniel like Shadrach, like Meshach, and like Abednego. Amen. Let's pray. O God, grant us your grace. Grant us your spirit. And grant us, Lord, that we also might have discerning minds and that we do not bow down to the idols of this world, the idols of humanism, the idols of our own imaginations, but that we bow before You, the living God of heaven, even when we're faced with persecution and furnaces of fire. Lord, be merciful to us and grant us a steadfast confidence and faith in You. Lord, we pray that You would go with us throughout this week that our religion wouldn't only be skin deep, but that we would have true, true spiritual conversion in our hearts and in our lives, that we might know that you have been pleased to be in us and live in us to your honor and to your glory. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.